some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock. By my watch, that means it's time for the one and only Big Six. Never duplicated here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Ryan Albanese behind the glass, spinning the dials radio style for me this evening. 615-737-1045 is how you reach this program. Tomorrow, football accounts that we're going to be watching, Florida and Miami. Can't wait. Absolutely cannot wait. Joey Kent was just in with 3HL for the last 45 minutes, and he mentioned the Tennessee tailgate show. He's back for the 11th year. Well, I have filled in at different times, and then last year took over for Jonathan Hutton, whose schedule had just grown exponentially, of course, and I'm happy to report I'll be back again starting a week from tomorrow, getting you all set for the Opener for the Vols. We lead you into Vol Network pregame. Super excited to be working with Joey for another season. And it just leads me to say what I always say at this time, which is I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your life. And last night we had Mike Tanier on from Bleacher Report. And we'll have him on, I think, pretty regularly, hopefully, during the football season. I love his stuff at Football Outsiders, as well as Bleacher Report. But I told you that starting yesterday, each day that I am a part of this show, I'm going to be out of town, and there's going to be some holidays, and there's going to be some things happening. We're going to do one division preview for the NFL per day. There are eight, which means starting yesterday, there are eight shows for me leading into the Thursday night NFL opener a week from this coming Thursday. And we started yesterday with the NFC East, we will run this thing and we will end with the AFC South, which of course makes all the sense in the world. That way we can predict the Titans division just before the NFL season kicks off. We're going to do the AFC East today. We're going to do the East and then we'll start out Monday and Tuesday of this coming week with the West and then we will do the North and then we will do the South. The AFC East is not a long division to have to preview. And by the way, should mention this as well. Murphy Fair, back for another season doing what he does and back for another season on this program with me. He will join me to get you all set as you're driving on your way or maybe you've just parked at whatever high school it is. High school football begins tonight across the state and Cheryl Crow's playing music an hour and a half ago over at Lipscomb. So Murphy Fair will be with me every Friday at 6.30. 
and we will get into all of what's going on in high school football. We might even take a couple of calls this year if you wanted to uh, join us and ask Murphy for his wide-ranging expertise on everything that that's going on. So there's a whole lot happening starting tonight because football is back. But let's talk about the AFC East. I am doing this via the big six model of six different categories and questions that I am going to ask and attempt to answer as it relates to how I see things shaking out in these divisions. And so they will be the same six categories for each division. So you'll get to know this pretty well. And we begin with the best player. I don't know that this takes too long to discuss, although you can make a case for Le'Veon Bell coming back after a year of not playing football. One of the few running backs that might be worth the money that he's being paid and could really change the fortunes for the Jets along with Adam Gase in year two of Sam Darnold's career at quarterback for them. You could make an argument maybe for a Julian Edelman or someone of that nature. But let's be real. Even at 42 years old, the answer is Tom Brady. Just won another Super Bowl. I mean, he needs he's going to need extra hands soon if, they, if he doesn't retire because he's going to keep winning, it seems like. There are guys that I say that are out there that you might want to keep your eye on, like Quinn and Williams of the Jets. Vinovich, who's just another one of those guys that, look, you think about the Spurs. I always think about the Patriots the same way I think about the Spurs. They get guys that they have no business getting when they get them. He was the 77th pick in the draft. That's absurd. He's going to play in the league for eight or nine years probably, make some Pro Bowls, be great, and then as he starts to decline, the Patriots organization will let him go. He'll get snatched up by somebody else who overpays him, and he won't be the same player by that point. That's how this works. And the same thing with the Spurs. The Spurs will just go find Boris Diaw, but they'll also draft and, and have guys fall to them that just should not fall to them. But the best player in the division is Tom Brady. This is not a difficult thing. One of the greatest winners, if not the greatest winner in the history of the NFL, a guy that even though he doesn't necessarily throw it a mile, he doesn't need to. He never has. Second category, second question, who is the best coach in the AFC East? This one's even easier. And as a matter of fact, it's not even remotely close. McDermott, nope. Gase, nope. Flores, nope. It's Bill Belichick. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Between Belichick and Flores, they completely flummoxed Sean McVay, the wonderkind, and the Rams in the Super Bowl to the point where Sean McVay is still trying to figure out exactly what happened to him. If you've actually listened to him try to explain, he has had some sleepless nights trying to decide what it was that happened to the L.A. Rams. So... It's Belichick, and it's not even particularly close. Maybe the greatest coach in the history of the league. Now you get to some that are a little bit more difficult. Hot seat, coaching hot seat, is my third question in my third category for each division. I don't know that anybody – well, I I can change that. I don't think anybody should be. Adam Gase just got there. He's going to get some time. The Bills have their own problems, but I don't think that their coach is bad at what he does, and I don't – think that there is much pressure to remove him. And then you've got Flores in Miami. And the answer has to be Flores for both comfortable and uncomfortable spots. One, simply that Miami's going to be awful, I believe. That they are in total rebuild mode or maybe even tank it mode to try and get Trevor Lawrence in a couple of years. They've gotten rid of many of the guys that you would have liked on that offense. 
They've been snake bitten from an injury standpoint. They just look like a team that's going to be one of the three or four worst in the league this year. Brian Flores is not in a good situation, but he had to take that job because you don't know how many opportunities you're going to get if you're Brian Flores. And the uncomfortable thing that I don't want to belabor is Brian Flores might get a little bit shorter of a leash in Miami than other guys would. And maybe this actually falls in reverse, and I hope that it does. But his skin color doesn't help him as it relates to the NFL. You think about some of the coaches that just have not had nearly as much time to turn something around or get an opportunity to succeed because of that. It bears mention. Like I said, I'm not going to go into it too much because it's different from each organization. And you look at the whole deal with Trump and Stephen Ross and everything else that's been going on down in Miami, Kenny Stills. Maybe it actually flips back the other way, and it might actually be a benefit. That would be great if that were true. But Brian Flores is going into a situation that seems like it's a total loss before he ever even gets there. So how long is his tenure likely to be? I don't think he's on the hot seat, but if there's anybody I could see not being there next year, perhaps, it might be him for both, like I said, fortunate and unfortunate reasons. Fourth, biggest question mark. I think there are several you could ask, and I think most of them are about the quarterbacks. We have Mike Tanier on, and he's written about Josh Rosen, or pardon me, Josh Allen. And so has, and Dan Orlovsky has been talking about him on TV as well. And they're saying, look, Josh Allen looks like he might be figuring it out a little bit for Buffalo, and he's going to take tremendous strides this year. So one question might be, is Josh Allen for real? Second one is, what's Sam Darnold going to be in year two? I'm hugely behind Darnold. I think he's a superstar. And don't look at last year as a bad thing at all, and I think Gase is going to make him far better. I don't think that's a huge question yet. I think the biggest question might just be, what is Miami going to do at quarterback? Is Josh Rosen a thing or is he not? I think he's a thing, but I could be wrong. Arizona must not have thought he was a thing or not enough of a thing not to move along after one year, even after trading up to get him, making moves to acquire him, letting him go so that Kingsbury could get Kyler Murray. So I think it might be about Rosen, but it might be about Fitzpatrick too. Does Miami even have a quarterback that you can look at and feel good about by the end of this season? That's the biggest question mark to me in the division. But it's it's a tough one because the Dolphins, I think, are going to be so bad. Number of playoff teams is number five question, and it's one. The Patriots are going to win the division. There's nothing else to say. I think the second team in the division is going to go 500. I think they're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. And if that's the case, that's I don't think that's going to be enough. Not with a couple of the other divisions that I like better to get those wild card spots. Maybe it's possible, but I'm going to stick with just one coming out of the AFC East. And then the final question, the most to prove. And I think you can talk about Josh Rosen if he gets an opportunity. But this one might be about Josh Allen. Last year, he was the punching bag. He was the one everybody jeered at and talked crap about coming out of Wyoming when he was taken by the Bills. All those reaction videos of NFL experts when he was taken. And then last year, he was an athlete, but not somebody that could throw with any level of accuracy. He could throw 1,000 miles, but he couldn't throw accurate five yards upfield. But if he's able to take another step, that's huge. And it's going to shut a lot of people up. 
And if there's one thing that prove means, it means prove people wrong about you. So you can look at Le'Veon Bell. He took a year off. Is he still going to be the same player this year? And you can point to other situations. But I think the key moment here simply is Josh Allen. People are starting to flip on him inside the league. They're starting to say, wait a second, maybe he's okay. But because of how down on him everybody was last year, I think the answer is absolutely that Josh Allen has the most to prove. Not because he's been out there blustering and talking and bloviating, just because of who he is, where he was drafted, and how much hype was behind the Josh Allen's terrible movement last year. So people are going to try and reinforce that narrative. So he may have the deck stacked against him before he ever even starts. High school football begins tonight. Like I said, Murphy Fair will join us at 6.30 each Friday night right here on the Big Six. Super excited to have him back for another campaign. Also super excited to have this guy back. DTC Sports is kicking off its 11th season of high school football coverage. Tonight we bring in our good friend Tom Duggan. Tom, how are you, buddy? Great, Jason. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Football's back, so you can't be too upset about that. It's the best time of year, football season, and uh, I tell you what, you know, the weather, it's been a little hot today, but we've had a few clouds roll by here in Watertown. It's cooled off a bit, a bit of a breeze blowing, and uh, we got a good one tonight. It's the defending or defending Region 4-1A champion, Gordonville Tigers, and the defending Region 4-2A champion, Watertown Purple Tigers. Now, these guys have met every year going back to at least 1976. So this is one of those longtime rivalries, two schools that know each other really well. They had outstanding seasons a year ago. High expectations again this year. Watertown coming off a record-breaking year. They go 12-1 and last year, advanced to the state quarterfinals. This was a team that scored 45 points per game last year. Now, they've got some holes to fill. They've only got four starters back on offense. But one of those starters is a young man, a senior running back by the name of Doramus Perry. Get familiar with that name. You're going to hear it a lot throughout the mid-state this high school football season. Doramus ran for 1,923 yards. 33 touchdowns last year, averaged 10.6 yards per carry, and he accounted for 16 points per game scored of the 45 per game for Watertown. Now, Gordonsville, this is a team that's very experienced in the trenches, but they are very, very young in the skill position. But they've got a freshman quarterback coming in who saw action in four games last year as an eighth grader after his junior high season was over. His name is Matthew Albritton. Also get familiar with that name. You're going to hear it a lot over the next four years. They've got high expectations for this young man. He will lead this uh, kind of young Gordonsville team, 20 freshmen on this team, and a tall task as always, come again to play Watertown. Now, folks, if you want to tune in tonight, you can watch our game live. We've got a web stream for you at DTC3.TV. That's DTC, the number three, dot TV. And you can also watch us live on Facebook Live on our DTC communications page. Jason, I tell you what, I'm fired up. I've always looked forward to week one. This is just like Christmas to me, and I just can't wait to get going. Tom, we will be listening. We will be watching. It's uh, it's super exciting and glad to have you back with this program for another year as well. Hey, thank you so much for having us, and uh, we appreciate you guys, and we appreciate all the folks for tuning in on our telecast uh, throughout the sports of the season. We appreciate it. All right, Tom, have a great broadcast tonight, my friend. Thank you, Jason. Take care. That is Tom Duggan. You can hear him. You can hear the coach, Chris Vance, and J.R. Smith. Football game night each week, DTC Sports, 
a live web stream of the game pretty much right at 7 o'clock. DTC3.tv is where you can hear that action and see that action live. They're going to do it every single week. They're in Watertown as it's the Purple Tigers and Gordonsville. Super exciting. When we come back, I'm getting real tired of Jim Harbaugh. I'll tell you why. It's the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Got Murphy Fair coming up next segment to talk high school football. So, Jim Harbaugh is 67 and 35 overall in his career. He's 29 and 21 at Stanford, 38 and 14 at Michigan so far. And he's got a book out. It's not his book, but it's one about him. And in it, he is quoted as basically saying that everybody else is cheating, particularly in the SEC as it relates to recruiting, and quote, it's hard to beat the cheaters, unquote. The book's written by John Bacon, and it's called Overtime, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines at the Crossroads of College Football. Folks, Jim Harbaugh was fun for a while, and now he's not very fun. He's become the Chael Sonnen of college football. He's interesting in a vacuum, but we don't live in a vacuum. So more truthfully, he's irrelevant, largely when it comes to what he's actually doing for a living. Here's my angle on Harbaugh and about this particular quote, because Bacon has come out and said the quote was part of a larger thing and he didn't call any programs out and blah, 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 blah. Here's where I am. My question for Jim Harbaugh is this. Yeah, it's hard to recruit against and beat, quote, the cheaters, unquote. Let's go ahead and just say that what you're saying is true, right? You just had the eighth best recruiting class in the country. So if you don't win again, what's the excuse then? You couldn't get top five, I guess, because you wouldn't cheat? Number eight, not good enough? Give me a break, bro. And maybe this was just part of some larger interview, and this sentence just exited your gullet poorly, but it's a really obnoxious look for a guy that is increasingly filled with them. And I'm not just talking about pleated khakis. I'm not sure that there's anybody in sports right now that has more to prove than Jim Harbaugh because he can't stop talking. He's not ever even won a division title in the Big Ten. His brother John won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, made the playoffs last year with a bad Flacco and a rookie quarterback in Lamar Jackson. What have you done at Michigan? other than go one and three in bowls. Now that Urban Meyer is gone out of that conference, if you're Jim Harbaugh, you better win that conference. If it's Paul Christ or if it's James Franklin or if it's Mike D'Antonio or if it's Kirk Ferentz or, yeah, if it's Ryan Day, if one of those guys beats you, all you're doing is confirming that everything surrounding you, it's all just a bunch of crap as it relates to what you're capable of. At some point, it's going to become time to stop talking about the SEC or anybody else for that matter and just go win football games. Ten wins shouldn't be enough anymore, not at Michigan. No wins over Ohio State, struggles against Michigan State. 
No playoff appearances. I'm not going to knock them for losing bowls because I have no idea whether they care about those bowls or not. I know I wouldn't. I mean, if it's a college football playoff, yeah. But exhibitions that mean nothing, probably not. They haven't gone well in those bowls, but it's usually who cares and who doesn't. And I don't knock them if they don't. But what exactly do you have to do at Michigan to hold on to that gig and to be successful and be popular? you got to go at least 50-50 with Ohio State. And you've got to crush your in-state rival. I would argue he's done neither. And it's not all down to recruiting when you have the level of athletes you've had. Your offenses have not been very good. Quarterback performances have been below average. By the way, that's what you played. But that excuse is out the window. Shea Patterson is an outside Heisman sleeper. Now, he's not going to win it because Trevor Lawrence exists and Tuatonga Vailoa exists and Justin Herbert exists. But he's very good. And I'm looking at Harbaugh similarly to the way I look at Baker Mayfield. It's really fine, and, and it's perfectly okay to run your mouth as much as you want all the time, as a matter of fact, provided you back it up on the field. I've been critical a little bit of what Baker said in that GQ article about Daniel Jones, even after he tried to clarify it. But if he goes out there and they win 12 games and they make it to a conference championship game in Cleveland, he can say whatever he wants. I know that's part of what makes Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield, playing on that edge and sort of always having that chip on your shoulder and slighting everybody and all of that. But if you're running your mouth and you're not backing it up on the field, then you, it, then there's a problem here. I would say that any other coach with Jim Harbaugh's numbers at Michigan who did not have the name Jim Harbaugh or have a name as noteworthy as Jim Harbaugh would either be out of a job already or would be firmly atop the hottest seat in the country. And it doesn't seem like that's been the result because his name is Jim Harbaugh. It's like his name is Robert Paulson. Yeah, his name is Jim Harbaugh. The name of the book, like I told you, about Harbaugh is Overtime. To me, that is a perfect description of Michigan's career for Jim Harbaugh right now. He's in extra innings. He's in extra frames. He's in a situation I don't think a lot of dudes would have gotten. He's gotten so many chances. He's gotten leeway. He's gotten so much more rope than a lot of other guys would have in that position. And that's not the SEC's fault. It's nobody's fault other than that program merely being good. And look, you can be good if you're Utah. You can be good if you're, honestly, you can be good if you're NC State. You can usually survive being good if you're Mississippi State. But when you're Michigan, good ain't good enough. And every time they face real competition, more often than not, they're falling short in all these big games. Now he's got the recruits. He's got the eighth best class in 2018. He's got the quarterback. He's got Shea Patterson. He's got skill talent everywhere. So I need Jim Harbaugh to go win or just go away. That's what I'm saying if I'm a Wolverines fan. That's what I'm saying if I'm a Michigan booster. I cannot listen to you tell me how the deck is stacked against you, how every player that transfers from Michigan is in the wrong, and why you're so great. Because I already saw that movie. I already bought that popcorn. As a matter of fact, I reviewed it on the Big Six blog at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog where I'm the senior writer. No more words. I need actions, Jim. I need actions, boss. 
or there is eventually going to come a time when that personality or those pleats or those glasses or you drinking milk or whatever it is, none of that is going to save your job. And meanwhile, earlier today, there's Jeremy Pruitt of Tennessee who was talking about the transfer portal, portal as it relates to Vols players. And he said, as part of what he said, he said, quote, I wrote letters to the NCAA on why I thought those players should be eligible at the institutions they wanted to go to. I'm pretty sure they're all eligible. And he would go on to say, I don't know if everyone, I don't know how everyone else in the country handles it. I can tell you a lot of them don't handle it like that. I don't know what you think about Jeremy Pruitt. This isn't the time to have that conversation. Maybe we'll do that next week at some point. But I can tell you that that, if true, is a stand-up way to handle it. What's not is whining and crying while you're going 10-3 and at best when you're at Michigan, a school where if you don't win 12 games, a lot of guys are on the hot seat. So Harbaugh is in ultimate put-up-or-shut-up territory this year at Michigan. And taking these swipes at guys that have to be cheating, because how else could you beat Jim Harbaugh? Well, won't you ask people in the Big Ten, because they've been doing it now for, what, five years? You don't have to go to the SEC to find bad losses for Michigan. Ask Kirk Ferentz. Coming up next, we'll ask Murphy Fair all about high school football. It's here, folks. Pigskin has arrived. We will talk with Murphy coming back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back. Big Six here on a Friday, 104.5 The Zone. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renner's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone, 615-737-1045. That's how you join this program. We welcome him for another season. Super excited to have him back on board with us. He'll be with us every Friday at this time at 630. We bring in Murphy Fair, at Murphy Fair on Twitter, You know where he is at. I don't know specifically where he's at, so I'll lead off with that. But, Murphy, high school football is back. Where are you? And this is the most exciting time of year. Well, it certainly is. And a little correction there, I am not a tweeter, okay? So, But they can check out my website at murphyfair.com. Okay, so the at Murphy Fair is fake. No problem. I am in Sparta tonight for – uh, a non-region game, which is 98% of the cases across the state tonight. But I'm here to watch Cannon County and White County. And you may wonder why. Well, it's because I live in Cannon County. And uh, I, I like what that team has been doing since the close of the 2018 season. And I just thought it'd be nice to come over and show my support for the home kids and uh, cheer them on, hopefully, to a big win at, uh, at White County High School. Well, that's awesome. There are some big games, some interesting games here to speak about tonight. But let me ask yes, you about this, just because there's a lot to talk about. Lipscomb, the Trent Dilfer era begins. They've got Cheryl Crow performing at 4.30 this afternoon. Now they're going to play football. Trent Dilfer, just the name alone and the decision to come back and do this, and it seems to be for all the right reasons, seems like one of the nicest guys in the world. This isn't. This is a, a challenge, though. Like, this is not him walking on the top of a mountain. It's one he's going to have to build up. It's a program that that needs the kind of burst that maybe a Trent Dilfer could bring. So how do you assess, one, how surprised were you when you first heard about that decision? And then maybe secondarily, what's reasonable to expect for Trent Dilfer? This is, this is going to be a tough one for him. 
Well, it is. Uh, the Lipscomb program, uh, uh, I don't think because of, of any previous coaching, I think it's primarily just they don't have the kids that they had four or five years ago uh, to a great extent. But I was very impressed. I went to see their uh, scrimmage against Brentwood Academy about a week ago. And obviously Brentwood Academy is still a very uh, strong program, and, and it showed on the football field. Uh, but, Jason, there were 2,000 people there to watch that scrimmage. Right. Uh, the Lipscomb family turned out in mass. And as I understand it, the president of the university, who also governs the high school or Lipscomb Academy, is 110% behind Trent and his new staff. He's brought in a bunch of coaches, guys that he played college football with, guys that he played professional football with. Uh, there were a lot of young men wearing uniform for Lipscomb the other night. Uh, that did not wear a Lipscomb uniform last year. And things are not going to turn in a week or a month or a year. Uh, but they're moving the right direction. And the administration over there is behind him 100%. And uh, uh, that program is going to get there if they continue with the uh, uh, with the attitude that they have right now. I was very impressed with the, with the fan base, with the support that they had, with what the administration is doing to help them uh, turn the corner, you know, with the McAdams Athletic Center that was built after Coach Mack or named after Coach Mack uh, is an incredible indoor facility that puts them at that next level. Now they've just got to concentrate on getting some bodies in there uh, that can compete with the NBAs, the Brentwood Academies, and so on of the world. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see that. You talk about a guy who's going into his first year coaching to a guy who has done it at as high a level as you can imagine in this state in high school in Gary Rankin of Alcoa returning to Murfreesboro for the first time since he coached Riverdale in 2005 tomorrow night it's Alcoa and Blackman which is well I mean that's two big name programs that's that's for sure in the state of Tennessee but one thing I don't know and maybe you do why was it that Gary Rankin eventually left for Alcoa why did he leave Riverdale do you know his kids were about to start entering high school, and I think he grew up in a small town, uh, a high school maybe of four or 500 kids in Carthage, and, and I just think that he wanted his, uh, his children to grow up in an envir- a small school environment like that rather than 2,000 kids in a metropolitan area. Could be wrong. That's just Murphy Fair's opinion, uh, but I think he wanted to change of scenery I think he realized that given the number of state championships Alcoa had had in the past, that that was a program, that was a place he could go to to win. Uh, Interesting you asked me about Gary Rankin because I interviewed him today myself Mm. for my statewide show next week. And uh, uh, he feels like he's got a very good football team. It's a young football team, uh, lots of juniors at the skill positions, but really, really good skilled people. Uh, they're playing at Blackman tomorrow night, as you said. They open up their regional schedule next week with their biggest rival, Austin East. And generally, whoever wins that game wins the region. I don't think you have to worry about Alcoa in that one or any other game that they play this year. He was fortunate enough to beat Maryville last year, and I think he'll probably do it again this year, probably on a Thursday night. Murphy Fair, our guest. He will be our guest every Friday here on the Big Six, getting you all set for the high school slate of action, which kicks off here in just a couple of minutes. Brentwood and NBA, it's public versus private. This one is fascinating as well. There are a few, there are a few matchups that I look at that maybe for different reasons are interesting, but, but Brentwood and NBA is one of those that I think this entire area is going to be paying close attention to, right? 
I think so, and that might be where I would be had I not uh, come to Sparta tonight because it's it's not a regional game. It's it's maybe not even a bragging rights game because they're both picked uh, to finish somewhere below first place, first place in their uh, particular region. Uh, but it's a great measuring stick game, and I think uh, with coaches like Ron Crawford and Marty Uberard, uh you're going to see two very well coached football teams. Two somewhat young football teams both had a lot of seniors that played big roles last year uh, but I think it'll be an exciting game to watch uh, we may see a few more penalties than normal maybe a turnover or two that we didn't expect but there'll be a lot of talent on the field it'll just be young and untested talent um, and then don't forget tomorrow night starting at three o'clock actually tomorrow afternoon a great doubleheader at TSU involving Hillsboro, Cane Ridge, Maplewood and Pearl Cone uh, Talk about talent on the field. They'll be a little bit there too, don't you think? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Another one that, that at least has my attention and has my eyes is Lebanon and Gallatin because it's two programs that could really use early momentum, both of which have kind of taken steps in the right direction. Like you see good things, and both those teams have the potential to be pretty good this season. How do you assess that matchup? Ought to be good. Ought to be really good. Uh, 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 Chad Watson. On the Gallatin side, first-year head coach there. He was the head coach at uh, Clarksville Northeast last year. He actually played some of his high school football at Gordonsville. Chuck Gentry, in his third year at Lebanon High School, played all of his high school football at Carthage at Smith County High School. That's as big a rivalry as you'll find anywhere. It should be a really good game. I know the Gallatin-Lebanon battles with each other over the decades has been a huge, huge game. And as long as those two guys stay in place, I think it will return to that also. Uh, not real sure what Chad Watson's going to be able to do in his first year, but I really like what that young coach is doing, just like what Coach Gentry has done in a very short time at Lebanon. Both of those teams are going to wind up being powers in the not-too-distant future. Another guy I want to ask you about real quickly, Murphy, is Trevon Ribka. Four-star pass rusher decides he's going to play for Kentucky chooses him over Oklahoma, chooses him over the University of Tennessee and playing county rival Creekwood tonight. That's another interesting one, and Ribka is quite a pass rusher. I think so, and sometimes it's, uh, uh, you know, everybody on the outside looking in thinks it's a no-brainer when you get offers from those major schools. But a lot of times it's about the personal relationship with that position coach when you made your official visit to that particular school, whatever that school may be. We've seen that happen time and time again where somebody overlooks a Power 5 conference school to go to a lesser-named school just because of a relationship they had with the coach uh, when when they paid their official visit. So uh, more power to him. I hope he does very, very well wearing the blue, and uh, I think that battle at Creekwood will be an interesting one. Houston Thiel, the head coach at Creekwood, did a great job last year uh, I think Dixon County won that game, but it was a pretty close game. I think ten to nothing, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I look for the one tonight to be close as well. Anything that you think might be surprising tonight at all, or nothing that really moves the needle for you, at least in this first weekend, in terms of potential upsets or things that you're at least keeping a second eye on? While of course you're at Cannon County and White County, I think we've pretty much touched on them. There's another yeah. one that's I think very interesting, simply because it involves a 3A school and a 6A school, and that's East Nashville at Smyrna. Uh, It'll be interesting because East Nashville has so much speed, uh, but Smyrna's got 
just like East Nashville, some great coaching and great fan support. And I look for that to be an interesting ball game as well. All right, Murphy, we'll enjoy that one tonight for all the reasons involved. And high school football's here, and we're excited to talk to you every week. That'll be great, Jason. Thank you much. All right, that is Murphy Fair. The Twitter account at Murphy Fair does exist. Nobody's tweeted at it since 2012, but I saw it quoted in there. There was actually an article written about Murphy earlier this week in one of the newspapers around the state. He's been doing it for a long, long time. So if you're out at Cannon County and White County, you'll probably be able to spot him. He'll be the one in the large, oversized hat. When we come back, there are a ton of podcasts out there, and podcasts have been in the news all week with the Variety article about Conan O'Brien and the outrage that followed. I just want to give you a new podcast that I've discovered recently that I think you might enjoy, that might get you through some of these weekends when you're in the car or whatever like that. Sometimes we like to give you some suggestions as pop culture is part of what I do for a living. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one next. You might want to stick around for that. It's the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program tonight, final segment of the week here on the Big Six. 104.5 The Zone coming straight ahead. Your good buddy Chad Withrow. Football Friday night, high school football. They'll take you all night. Football Friday night and then Friday night finals. Listen to it every single week. And then if you're up late tonight, my work week is not over. Matter of fact, not by a long shot. From 1 to 5 a.m., I'll be in on Fox Sports Radio, just me. So if you like my voice, you'll hear it for four consecutive hours. And then, of course, the Jason Martin Show and its regular time slot Sunday mornings. You hear the first two hours live here on The Zone, 2 to 4. And then 6 to 7, you hear hour 3 right before Squared Circle Radio, which I will also be a part of with Brandon Hagney and David Reed. A huge week in the pro wrestling world that we'll be talking about. So Taylor Lewan's going to miss the first four games. There's not really much to say here because this is what we all expected, especially if Golden Tate's excuse didn't work then Taylor Lewan's excuse was not going to work. Even if both of them are legit. I don't know Taylor enough to say yay or nay, but I'll go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt on this, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why you ended up taking a performance-enhancing substance or something that's banned by the league. Because you did, according to their tests. And so he's going to miss the first four games, three of them on the road, They're against difficult competition. The first one's against the most hyped team in the NFL. They're playing right now preseason football on NFL Network, Browns and Bucks. And the Browns have Olivier Vernon, who had seven sacks last year, and Miles Garrett, who looks primed to just absolutely dominate. And Marcus Mariota doesn't have his blind side protected by the highest-paid left tackle in football. It's a problem. It's not a good thing, especially because Marcus Mariota is not a guy you want to see get hit very often. Not that you want to see a quarterback get hit ever, but Mariota in particular. So that's not great. That's a game where I might have picked the Titans to beat Cleveland in week one with Taylor Lewan out or with him on the field, but with him out, no. I think Cleveland's actually going to get that win. And the door being potentially wide open with Andrew Luck and his health still being such a problem. In fact, they're not playing Jacoby Brissett because they're not playing starters, meaning the Colts. Tells you all you need to know about how precarious that situation is with Andrew Luck. I know David Chow, football pro football doc, says he doesn't think that Andrew Luck will be anywhere close to 100% when that season opens. And if he's not right, then the door's open in a pretty open division. 
And if you look at what the Titans have to offer compared to the other two teams, I don't think Jacksonville is going to be particularly good. You know where I am on Nick Foles. The Texans have offensive line woes. They've got front office woes that may or I mean, they're probably not going to affect them on the field. And they've got guys that scare you still, but they have some holes. They have some blemishes to be sure. So the Andrew Luck thing is huge and not having the one for four weeks. And I'm sure he's beside himself that he's not going to be there for his team for the first month. But this is what we all expect. This is what we all anticipated. So there's not that much new to speak of here. I do want to tell you this. So there's the article on Variety about how Conan O'Brien has shaped the podcast revolution, and people went absolutely nuts over this because how dare that be the case when there's all these do-it-yourself podcasters out here that are doing great work that don't have Conan O'Brien's name that have been doing this forever and have made podcasting what it is. And for every big-name podcast, there are another thousand that are passion projects that aren't listened to by very many people and couldn't even come close to actually selling advertising. I mean, you want to talk about just dropping something out of a medicine dropper into an ocean. That's what happens when you start a new podcast. It's a labor of love, and it's something that maybe sheer sheer attrition might get you there. But by sheer attrition, I mean doing it, not even sure that anyone else other than you and your co-host, if you have one, hear it for about eight or nine years. That's what I mean by attrition. So people went after Conan, even though he didn't do anything. He was very self-deferential when it came to his role in this, which is pretty much nothing. He knows how to do podcasts. He's a smart guy, incredibly smart guy, witty guy. So it's no surprise this podcast is good, but he was picked. And so there's so many different choices right here on The Zone. I mean, I host the Pop 6, a pop culture podcast. A lot of you dig that. Paul Kaharski's got Elsewhere, which I think is a really cool idea where he – goes in-depth on things that you wouldn't necessarily expect him to go in-depth on, but I've enjoyed the episodes of that that I've heard. And then there's Chit Chat, and he's had two episodes. He had Keith Bullock talking sports. He had Megan Barry talking politics and talking about her life. There's a lot to a lot to happen here. There's Step One Learn Sports and Will Bowling's different shows that he's doing across 104.5 The Zone. There's Speedway Soccer. There's There's just a lot out there just on the Zone Podcast Network. So I wanted to tell you about something maybe you have not heard that I think you should check out. Jason Pfeiffer is the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And he's got three podcasts, one that just started called Hush Money, which I, I haven't gotten to sample it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. It's about how money can make your life worse and stories and all of those kinds of things. And there's Problem Solvers, which is entrepreneurs handling big mistakes and big things that have happened inside their companies. And then he has this one. And this is the one that I want you to pay attention to and maybe check out. These episodes are only about 30 minutes long. Some of them are a little bit longer, but he does a good job, and it's not just a dry podcast. There's actually a bunch of actualities and things mixed into it. But it's called the Pessimist Archive. And basically, it is taking all these things that have become so normal and tracing back to when they started and when people were afraid of the advances of technology and innovation. And so, for example, the first episode was The Walkman. And just a description real quick is travel back to the 80s where the portable cassette player was accused of turning people into wind-up non-humans. Laws were passed to keep them on the streets. And then it goes into a story of one guy that was actually arrested because he was wearing these things on the streets. Just a few other ones just going through the subway, pinball, coffee, recorded music. All of those kinds of things. So it's all of these things that have happened. And it tells you this, the history of where they came from. 
but also why people were afraid of them to try and understand why people are afraid of things now. It's called Pessimist Archive. So far, I haven't heard any language in it at all, which makes it a really easy recommendation for me. Check it out. I'm going to try and get Jason Pfeiffer on the show. I think it would be interesting, maybe over the next couple of weeks. I'll tell you what I guarantee you is going to be interesting. That is the start of high school football. Football Friday night and Friday night finals, they're coming up next. You can hear me again at 1 a.m. on Fox Sports Radio right here on 104.5 The Zones. I'll be in with a bonus edition of the Jason Martin Show. So until then, I hand it off to Chad Withrow and the crew. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.